Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the Central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. It's a good time to be a Syracuse sports fan. The Orange is busy in both football and basketball. In football, a huge recruiting week for Dino Babers and company. And in basketball, SU in the nation's capital, Washington, D.C., to take on an old Big East rival, the Georgetown Hoyas. Drew Carter alongside J.D. Rachi here to break it all down on the score 1260. And, J.D., we got to start with the question. Is Syracuse-Georgetown still a rivalry? Um, I think it's trending in the direction that it might become one again. You know, it, there's so much there's so much history that you just can't really ignore when you look at these two teams playing together. The Patrick Ewings, the Dave Bings, that kind of era. Era. There was so much history between the two teams that I think that if there are a couple of good games, a couple of really like I guess you could call them slobber knockers, like just old Big East <laughs> basketball. If you get that kind of stuff back, then sure you could have another rivalry, but you've got to have some close games. It's got to be more competitive. Yeah, I agree with that. I think if you play every season, there's a good chance that this could really become a rivalry again. But I don't know. It just doesn't feel the same as it once did. I think it feels the same for Georgetown fans. If you take a look at what's been going on on their campus, they posted 10 reasons why we hate Syracuse. And you can check that out at orangefizz.net and also at orangefizz on Twitter. But I mean, you could tell they're Georgetown students and not real partiers or people who make a lot of jokes <laughs> because this list was not very strong. Um, it wasn't the greatest. Uh, the number one reason on the list was everything. I just think that's a cop-out. Basically, they had nine of them, and they needed a number one. I don't even know if they had nine because one of them was Syracuse doesn't have a dog. You know what? I'm okay without a dog. I'm fine with a, an orange. I mean, I love dogs, but Otto's great, man. Otto is awesome. He's at least, unique. At least you know what an orange is. When you hear yeah, that the what's Syracuse, a Hoya? Exactly. When you hear that the Syracuse mascot is an orange, there's no confusion there. Yeah, no I confusion. mean, Hoya is just a very poor attempt at a mascot, in my opinion. But another interesting thing they've done is they've taken oranges out of the cafeterias and dining halls at Georgetown. Mm-hmm. Uh, some kids were just begging on Twitter. They just wanted orange juice with their breakfast, and they just can't get it on campus this week. <laughs> they've also just X'd out all of the S's on campus, which like the Michigan-Ohio exactly. State thing. It's which such is a just, copycat it, It's a move. copycat move. It really is. I mean, Georgetown, like, yeah, they can try to inflate this all they want, but it honestly feels like Georgetown is the little brother to Syracuse. I mean, one of the, one of the ten reasons was that SU abandoned the ACC, or abandoned the Big East, I mean, to go to the ACC. Yeah, you're, you're right. <laughs> of course they left the Big East to go to the ACC. Are you, a little jealousy? A little jealousy from Georgetown and then, because uh, they're stuck more, in the Big Even East. more jealousy, they just said the ACC sucks, which is, if you look at the Big East and you look at the ACC in terms of what, are, what they are now and in terms of basketball schools, it's just not a factual statement. It's just exactly. incorrect. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you can take a look at Georgetown's non-conference schedule, too, and poke <laughs> quite a few holes in it. Quite uh, a few quite holes. Quite a few. So we'll take a look at the Hoyas right now. They're 8-0. Congratulations, Georgetown. Here's who they've beaten. We'll just run through the list. Jacksonville, Mount St. Mary's, Maryland Eastern Shore, Richmond, which is their marquee win so far this season, Maine, Coppin State, Howard, and North Carolina A&T. Now, J.D., I love KenPom.com. You know this. Ken oh, Palm yeah. is one of my favorite websites. I'm looking at it right now. They have beaten one team inside the top 300 of Ken Palm's rankings. There are about 350 teams in NCAA Division One. The schedule is brutal. Yeah, according to RPI, their non-conference schedule is – there are 351 teams, as you said, in the country. Their RP, their, according to RPI, their non-conference strength of schedule is 351st in the country. They literally play the easiest schedule of any team 
in the entire nation. Rock bottom. Rock bottom. This schedule literally looks like the schedule for Syracuse women's basketball. You've got Maryland Eastern Shore. <laughs> yep. You've got Coppin State. State. I'm sure they played Richmond a couple times. This is an awful slate. So congratulations to Georgetown on beating these teams pretty handily. I mean, they've won every game by double figures aside from the Richmond game and aside from the North Carolina A&T game. So honestly, they haven't really done a whole lot to prove that they're a team that can hang with Syracuse if you take a look at the schedule. I mean, just... The Richmond Spiders, that's that's what they're clinging to? That's the only that's mascot marquee, I think I know. That's their marquee win. I mean, North Carolina A&T is just the Aggies because A&T is just an right. automatic Aggie. You have but, to be the Aggies. I mean, it, A and anything, really. A&M, A&T. A&M, A&T, any of that kind of stuff. It, it's like clearly Syracuse, as we've seen them right now, obviously head-to-head today is going to be an interesting matchup to see what they really these two teams are. But clearly right now what we've seen from Syracuse and what we've seen from Georgetown – Syracuse is just the superior basketball team. Right. I think one thing that could cause problems for Syracuse, though, is Georgetown defends the three extremely well. Their opponents make less than 30% of their shots from beyond the arc. For Syracuse, the Orange makes less than 30% of its own shots from distance. So if SU can't really get it going from behind the three-point line, J.D., it could spell problems for, for Syracuse. But here's what I'll say about that. It doesn't really seem like SU is reliant on the three-pointer this season. They, they haven't been able to shoot all year long, and they're still 8-1. and one. Yeah, they know they're not a good three-point shooting team. Jim Beheim said it before this season. Last year, that, that was really their game. Andrew White, John Gillen, Tyler Lydon were all knockdown shooters from beyond the arc. Jim Beheim knew they weren't going to be a great shooting team. Tyus Battles, their best shooter, and his game is not the three-point shot. His game is the mid-range jumper. His game is scoring for him, is creating for himself off the dribble and being able to make his own shot. And there really isn't a, a sniper on this team that you had last year with like Andrew with Andrew White or Gillen or Leiden, like I mentioned. Tyus is your best shooter. O'Shea Brissett supposedly can hit the three ball. He hasn't really done much this season in terms of in terms of that. But mm-hmm. Jim Beheim says he can do it. Let's see if he can as the season progresses. But Syracuse knows they're not a three-point shooting team, and they don't really need it to score. Right. They don't even have a guy who comes off the bench like a, like a Kyle Korver who just stands in the corner and shoots. They have no one who can really knock down the three, but so far it doesn't really seem like that's been an issue. Because this SU team, J.D., the, the thing I think is so interesting is this team to me is basically a polar opposite of last year's team. Last year, Syracuse was going to be up and down. They're going to beat teams they probably shouldn't have. They're not better than. They won three top ten games. They also lost games that left you completely scratching your head. St. John's. Exactly. They get handled by St. John's. They lose in in pretty stunning fashion against Boston College, which I know has a soft spot in your heart, but even you would admit <laughs> that Boston College was a pretty, pretty I mean, not good considering, ACC team. Considering what Boston College is doing this year, maybe they were better than we thought yeah. last year. Oh, absolutely. But but still e- a even, game you even win. still, yeah, absolutely. Still a game a tournament team should win. But this season, it seems like it's the opposite. The baseline level for Syracuse is probably right around the same mark. But they're not going to have as low of valleys, and they're not going to have as high of peaks. And that might be a good thing, because you can get through this non-conference slate pretty much unscathed, aside from that loss at Kansas, or against Kansas, and then you get to conference play, you win 9-10 games, you should be in, but they also don't have a very high ceiling, I think. Yeah, well, Georgetown's probably the toughest non-conference game left on the schedule. Mm-hmm. you got the Eastern Michigans and the St. Bonaventures of the world coming up. But, you know, Syracuse, like you said, they're not going to beat teams. They're not going to beat the Florida States. They're not going to beat the Dukes. They're not going to pull off upsets like that. 
But what we need to see is a little more consistency, and what we need to see is a little more consistency away from the Dome. And that's right. a big reason that this Georgetown game is important. Last year, 2-11 and 11 away from the Carrier Dome for Syracuse, whether that be neutral site or road games. They're already 1-0 this year with the win over UConn at Madison Square Garden. So if they can get a true road win, that's huge this week. And even that win over UConn kind of proves what we're talking about here. I mean, UConn last year was garbage. There's there no way around it. They they're not bad. a good basketball team. And they're team. not really good this year. They're, they're a little bit better, but they're not a whole lot a whole lot better. And, and the thing Syracuse does is take, take care of business against teams like that. And I think Georgetown kind of falls into the same category here. But going on the road, as you mentioned, is going to be a big test. They're playing in... Which arena, J.D.? The Capital One Arena, yeah. not the Verizon exactly. Center. Changed on August 9th of this year. There you go. Very confusing. Very, very confusing. Capital One Arena is indeed the correct term or the correct name for the arena that Syracuse will be playing in today. Yeah, For the last two weeks, I thought they were playing at Verizon Center. I think everybody and their mother thought that they were playing <laughs> at the Verizon Center. It is the same place, though. It is the same place. And by the way, we got to check if we can get some commission from Capital One for saying that name so many times. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the only thing really I think that could trip up Syracuse in this game would be one playing on the road, because they haven't really proved a whole lot away from the Dome this year. They've got that neutral site win over UConn, but aside from that, they lost to Kansas. We haven't really seen them play a true road game yet so far this year. And Georgetown has one player who could pretty much cause problems for any team in in the entire nation, and that's Jesse Govan. He is their center. He averages 20 points, 13 rebounds. He's 6'10", 270. And I don't know who on this SU roster is going to deal with a guy like that when you look at your two true big men are as thin as a rail. Barama Sidibe can't even move right he now. He can't jump, like. which is yeah. an issue. We don't know what's going on with him, whether it's his knee or it's his ankle. What we do know is that he can't really move very well. Pascal Chukwu, I mean, Jesse Govan is 6'10", 270. Pascal Chukwu soaking wet might be 7'2", 200 pounds. <laughs> and Marek Dolajai, I don't even know if that guy's in triple digits in terms of weight. So I don't know who's going to deal with a guy like Jesse Govan unless you completely swarm him on the interior and it opens up other guys. Yeah, and we saw this against Maryland. We saw this against Texas Southern. And we saw this against Kansas. Maryland, Bruno Fernando, big game. Uh, Trayvon Reed for Texas Southern, big game. They shot over a combined 90%. And then Yudoka Azubuki just killed Syracuse on the lob in the lob game against Kansas. And granted, Kansas is a more talented basketball right. team than Georgetown, and Azubuki's probably better than Govan. Mm -hmm. However, the size is just such an issue because if you do collapse, and if you do collapse on the, on the ball handler when he has the ball in his hands, then you're just going to open things up, and it's just going to be a three-point barrage for Georgetown. Right, and Georgetown shoots the three ball really, really well, above 39% on the season. I think we know what the game plan is going to be for the Hoyas coming into this game. And by the way, their head coach, Patrick Ewing, is a guy who knows a heck of a lot about revolving your offense around a guy who can dominate in the post. But this is going to be basically think the Orlando Magic when they had Dwight Howard in his prime. You put one guy in the middle, you put four guys on the arc, and you let them spread it out, and you let them all collapse in on Dwight Howard, and he can kick it out to open shooters. going to be the same thing today with Jesse Govan, but ultimately I think SU just has too much talent, especially on the defensive side, against a Georgetown team that has proven nothing all season. That's the one thing about this Syracuse team. They may not have one guy that can match up against Govan, but their team defense is great. So if they have a good if they have good enough rotation, they get out on the shooters, they collapse on Govan while still keeping their eyes on the three-point arc, that could be the recipe for success for Syracuse today. It's basically just a matter of you've got to be able to defend both. You've got to be versatile. You've got to be able to you know, take away both the inside game and the outside game. That's probably going to be easier said than done, especially with a guy of Govan's talent. But keep in mind, we talked about how bad that schedule was. So those that 21 and 13 or whatever he put up, that's going against guys like Maryland Eastern Shore right. who probably don't have a guy 
even a sniff over six eight. <laughs> exactly. And another thing you have to consider is in order for Govan to get the basketball in post position, somebody's got to make an entry feed, and I don't know if you can do that against these long guards on the perimeter and the long forwards, too, in the 2-3 zone. Yeah, Frank Howard and O'Shea Brissett and Tyus Battle have done an excellent job defensively this year. They have great length. That's one of the upgrades that Syracuse made in the offseason with getting John Gillen out of the starting lineup. Yeah, Gillen gave you a lot of great stuff on the offensive end, but he, he was a little bit of a liability on the defensive end because he just didn't have the length that Frank Howard and Tyus Battle have to get their arms and their limbs and just all part of their bodies into passing lanes so that's a huge boost for Syracuse and if they want to get the ball inside they're going to have to get by Frank Howard and Tyus Battle and a lot of teams haven't really shown that they could do that this year all right JD well before we get out of here and talk Syracuse football recruiting got to put you on the spot who do you think wins today SU or Georgetown I've got Syracuse in this one I think it comes like you said comes down to the talent uh, Georgetown's a good team. They haven't proven that they can beat anybody. Um, I think it's going to be close, though, because it is at Capital One Arena in Washington, D.C. <laughs> so I think it. that hometown crowd will maybe fuel Georgetown to a couple of extra buckets they might not get on the road or on a neutral site. But I think Syracuse still comes away with a win. And I agree. I think Syracuse takes care of Georgetown at Capital One Arena, not Verizon Center down in Washington, D.C. All right, that's what we think about Syracuse basketball. We'll take a look to the future for Syracuse football when we come back on Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. And welcome back to Fizz Radio here on the Score 1260 alongside Drew Carter. I'm J.D. Rachi. And, Drew, we talked about Syracuse basketball, their game coming up with Georgetown in just a couple of hours here down in Washington, D.C. But it's also been a busy week for Syracuse football. Four class of 2018 recruits committed to the Orange in the past week. And it all starts at the linebacker position. Lakeem Williams and Trey Allison, two huge pickups for the Orange. Yeah, Dino Babers has been on fire lately. You take a look at the linebacker position. I mean, this is probably what most Syracuse fans want to see. If they're going to shore up one side of the football, I think most people would choose defense after that horrendous performance a, at the end of the 2017 season. Just a season. crash, a when, fall from grace. Yes. We just gave so much credit to the Syracuse defense. Yeah. And then Wake Forest came to the Dome. And they just fell over on themselves. Exactly. When John Wolford, a guy named John <laughs> Wolford, who sounds like he is an 1800s philosopher, puts up nearly 500 total yards on you, you know you have a problem. So Syracuse yep. hits the recruiting trail and gets a couple of guys who probably will help fix that defense. Two linebackers. First one is Lakeem Williams, a junior college linebacker out of Butte Community College. Don't forget that Butte. E. Don't forget that E. It's Butte Community College, which, funnily enough, is actually where Aaron Rodgers played his community college football, too, in California. So, Lakeem Williams, a three-star junior college linebacker, the number three outside linebacker in the JUCO class, number 32 overall. And this guy is a playmaker in every sense of the word against the run, against the pass. He's a ball hawk. He's all over the field, exactly what Syracuse needs. And then the other linebacker, another three-star guy, this one is a normal commit. He's not a JUCO guy, normal high school player. Trey Allison, another three-star linebacker, decommitted from SMU, and chose Syracuse. So two guys who should really help in the run defense and also in pass defense because they're both very athletic. Yeah, and you think about the guys that Syracuse is losing this year in Paris Bennett and Zaire Franklin, and you think, wow, Trey Allison and Lakeem Williams, they're coming at the perfect time because you talked about how Lakeem Williams is that outside linebacker. Kind of reminds you a little bit of maybe a Zaire Franklin kind of quarterbacking that defense, being the the future leader, especially since he's got some experience already playing community call or community college ball, junior college ball. And then you look at a guy like Trey Allison, and I think Trey Allison, not only is he a good player, but he also represents something so important for Syracuse. They have reach now. He's from Texas, from Tyler, Texas, 
and they were able to steal, steal him away from another program. And SMU's, they almost got the death penalty, or they did get the death penalty. They're trying to still kind of rebuild their program mm-hmm. down there in Dallas. But this proves that Dino Babers is a fantastic recruiter, and he can offer a product that school other schools just can't. And Allison at first wanted to stay home, and then Dino was like, hey, come to Central New York. And Allison was all in for it. So I really think that Clemson win kind of helps that kind of profile, especially with somebody that's not really close. So I think that's an important, another important factor of the Trey Allison deal to, to look at. It certainly does help. And remember, that Clemson win was on a Friday night where almost nothing else was going on in the college football world. And it was massive for high school guys who maybe weren't playing a game or maybe they came home and saw Syracuse beating Clemson. Who the hell is Syracuse to beat Clemson? <laughs> I'm sure that's what a lot of them were saying. But if you can convince a guy to go from Texas, yeah. where it is probably 85 degrees as we speak right now, and I take a look out the window, and it's Blizzard City, USA, here in central New York. <laughs> I mean, that, that means a lot if you're Dino Babers. Yeah, he clearly it's... has a lot of sway, and we always knew this guy was extremely personable. He's a master at manipulating the media. You can't do that unless you have a pretty special type of personality. Dino Babers is a type of guy who I think, in terms of personality, is cut out to coach at a school like Alabama or Florida State, one of these high-profile, juggernaut-type of Power 5 programs. That's how good I think he is as a recruiter. The on-field product hasn't really been there, to say the least, four wins in his first two seasons. But we know he can recruit, and he can get on the trail, and he can go grab guys from all over the place. And you're just you're just driving down I-81, and there Dino is on the Empower billboard just as you're driving down the yeah. highway. What a beautiful thing to see for Dino Babers. But it wasn't just the linebacking position on the Syracuse defense that got bolstered. One area of need that Syracuse really struggled with this year, really struggled with the year before, mostly because of injuries, but also because of a lack of talent, Sa- the safety position. They got Andre Sisco, a safety from IMG Academy in Florida. And when you hear IMG Academy in Florida, you immediately know that this guy is a high-profile recruit. He's only three-star rated, but he is playing with some of the best players in the entire country. IMG Academy is one of those high schools that is perennially in the top five. You maybe see them playing on ESPN once every season because they've got so much blue-collar talent. Andre Sisco, three-star safety. He hails from Long Island originally. He has one of the coolest names I think I've ever seen. Andre Sisco. And his Twitter handle is at Ocho Cisco. I mean, that, that is very cool right there. That, that adds to your cool factor off the bat when you sign he's a guy just, like that. He's got swagger, man. He's just Tons got swagger. swagger all over, the, and he's going to bring it on the field as well. He's a really good defender, and he's just he's a hard hitter. He can, he can cover when he needs to in, in kind of that zone coverage kind of scheme, especially considering Syracuse currently right now might change because of the disaster that happened. But Syracuse right now operating out of that Tampa 2, that zone-heavy scheme. He's the perfect kind of guy you need. Andre Sisco, he's got plenty of size, too. Six foot 186. That's a big safety. Really That's big. That's a big safety. Really big. He's going to be a guy who can maybe come up and help you load the box to help stop the run. But then in pass coverage, I mean, hopefully for Syracuse fans, he can add a little bit of help. Because, I mean, we mentioned it with the linebacker position. But with the safety position as well, you've got some guys who could be leaving. I mean, Jordan Martin is gone. He was the Antoine Cordy fill-in. Antoine Cordy got another year of eligibility, but... I mean, who knows? On, who on earth knows if Antoine Cordy can play a full season for Syracuse? The last two years, it's ended badly. I mean, it's just ended in the first couple of weeks of the season. Right. This year, week one. Last year, week, what, two against Louisville? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Antoine Cordy is a good defender. You know, this is the thing about Antoine Cordy. Everybody's like, oh, my God, this defense would be so much better if Antoine Cordy hadn't gotten hurt, blah, 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 blah. 
Are we sure? Have we mark. actually seen Antoine Cordy play? Yeah, we don't really know. We don't really know what he is because the only full game that we've seen him play in the past two years was the Colgate game. Colgate. Hey, we also saw him play in the spring game. He had a pick six in the spring game. You got to give him credit for that. Great. Who did he pick off? Zach Mahoney. Zach Mahoney, yeah. who threw about a thousand interceptions <laughs> in the past in the last three games of right. this season. Antoine Cordy. I mean, the idea of Antoine Cordy is. Oh, great. the idea is great. It's awesome. We, the idea we, of a million dollars is great too, but <laughs> we just don't have a million dollars. Right. I mean, we have no idea what Antoine Cordy is, and that's even if he's on the field. And so when he gets injured, which honestly is probably inevitable at this point, <laughs> that's what it feels like. I mean, that's what he's shown so far. He seems like he's more injury prone than Eric Dungy. I mean, Dungy's, I the, one mean, gets, Dungy's the one who gets talked about. At least Dungy gets through most of the season. Exactly. At least he gives you seven or eight games. But Antoine Cordy so far has not given a whole lot. And I mean, we're not bashing Antoine Cordy by any means. It's just Oh, no. It's, it's just, just he just hasn't facts. been able to play. Exactly. He just it's hasn't just, been able to play. That's it's just, just you lay out the, the facts. Matter. And so Andre Sisco coming in for Syracuse could be a massive boon to the secondary that could really use one right now. Yeah, and then another place that really needs some improvement, the offensive line, and boy are they coming. Kadir White. Tyrone Sampson, both w- with certain recruiting sites, four-star recruits. Mm-hmm. Now you got another one coming in, a three-star guy in Carlos Vettorello from Detroit. Yeah, and another thing here is we've talked about Texas. That's where Trey Allison is from. Cisco is from Long Island, played his high school football in Florida. Now you got a guy from Detroit. I mean, how many guys from Michigan have come to Syracuse recently? The number one guy is Paris Bennett, who, ironically enough, actually played at the same high school that Paris Bennett is from. This guy's not huge, 6'4", 285 for a guard position. You might like to see a little bit more weight, but he's got time to tack that on. And like you said, he's he's joining this group of guys in the class of 2018 who could honestly transform the Syracuse offense. Yeah, one of those guys, Tyrone Sampson, guess what? He's also from Michigan. He's mm-hmm. also from the Detroit area. So Syracuse has really made a concerted effort to go up to that state and recruit that Detroit area and, and just try to get as many guys as they possibly can. They've got a couple of linebackers on the team from Michigan. Now they've got Vettorello and Sampson coming in. And, yeah, Vettorello's not not huge, mm-hmm. but he's not huge yet. Right. He's still a high schooler. He still has time to come in and get used to this college atmosphere, get in the weight room, put on some weight, and he could be he could be a good piece. He could be something special. Who knows? There's really not a whole lot that we've seen from Vettorello, and it's really hard with the naked eye when you're not like a football coach mm-hmm. to look at an offensive lineman's highlight tape and be like, wow, this guy's really, really good. Like, it's just a bunch of pancake blocks. Exactly. Of course they're going to put pancake blocks on a highlight tape. Right. So he's kind of a question mark, right. but he could he could definitely be helpful. Exactly. Even if he's not some sort of world beater, this guy Carlos Vettorello, as long as you have bodies along the offensive line, that's all you want. That's competent, what Syracuse struggled with. Exactly. Competent bodies. When you're playing Dino Babers' up-tempo scheme, these guys are going to get gassed. I mean, especially if they're 350 pounds. Yeah, maybe it's better if he's a little smaller. Exactly. That's the thing. And even if, even if his stamina isn't great. At least he's there. At least he gives you another option. If, if Syracuse can rotate seven or eight guys along the offensive line and they've got some good continuity, is going to help you even if he's not the second coming of Marshall Yonda from the Baltimore Ravens. Even if this guy's not super great, at least he gives you something. At least he gives you a body. And hopefully he can stay healthy because that's something SU has really struggled with on the offensive line. Yeah, because they need, they need number one, to protect Eric Dungey. I think that's the most important need that they need on the offensive line is a good pass protector. But not to mention the fact that they weren't a great running team this year. That's partially because the talent wasn't there at the running back position. But if you can't open up a hole, there's nowhere for the running back to go. 
So Vettorello is going to be a good piece, but like we mentioned, Drew, a really good recruiting week for Syracuse. There's still a couple of offers more there, more out on the table. So maybe even in the next couple of weeks, we could see Dino Babers picking up a couple of more class of 2018 recruits in in the coming weeks. Yeah, right now Syracuse stands at 18 total commits. Depending on where you look, one of them is a four star. I know one website has Edward Hendricks, a wide receiver, as a four-star recruit. One website has Tyrone Sampson Jr., a center, as a four-star. Bottom line is 18 hard commitments verbally, and Syracuse now inside the top 40 on 24-7 sports rankings. And inside the top 40 might not sound great, but when you take a look at what Syracuse has done in the past, they've been outside outside the top 50, outside the top 60. If you can get up to 36 where the orange is right now, I mean, that's a step forward, and that's all you're really asking for at this point. It's the best recruiting class since 2001, and they've got better a better recruiting class than the likes of Stanford and the likes of Colorado, two mm-hmm. Pac-12 teams. Right. And that's not just not something you're used to seeing from Syracuse, and a lot of that goes to the credit of Dino Babers. He's an incredible recruiter. He's developed a staff of assistants that are also great recruiters, and that's, how, that's what you need to do to build a program. Number one, get talent. Number two, win football games. Dino Babers has taken care of number one. Now it's time to take care of number two. And one thing we do need to mention, though, is we got a little bit of breaking news today is that offensive coordinator Sean Lewis from Syracuse is apparently a top candidate for the head coach job at Kent Kent State. State, So, I mean, I don't know how much an offensive coordinator truly matters for Dino Babers because it seems like he's going to handle the majority of play calling duties himself. But in terms of recruiting, that could be a real hit for Syracuse, especially when you consider – what the Orange is doing by establishing recruiting bases, not just in New York and Florida, which is where they've kind of relied these past couple of years. Yeah, that's the thing. And the other thing with Sean Lewis, I'm pretty sure he's also the quarterback's coach for mm-hmm. Syracuse. Bingo. So Eric Dungy, you know, maybe he had a factor in Dungy coming. Tommy DeVito, Zach Mahoney, blah, blah, blah. Rex all Culpepper. the other guys, Rex Culpepper. You know, so maybe the quarterback numbers go down. That's not what you want to see if you're Syracuse, especially with Dungy graduating after next season. DeVito's going to provide some firepower in the seasons after that, but losing Sean Lewis might not be the best thing in the world if you're Syracuse. And again, nothing is certain with Sean Lewis to Kent State, but according to Fox Sports today, Sean Lewis is a top candidate for Kent State, so keep an eye on that. We'll have you with all the coverage. Yeah, we'll keep everything covered as the recruiting cycle continues to go through. Signing period's coming up pretty soon, so a lot of things to keep your eyes on if you're a Syracuse football fan. And if you're a Syracuse basketball fan, well, we're going to get you involved here again just on the other side of the break. We'll talk a little bit of Syracuse basketball recruiting, a couple of movements for some of the recruits in the class of 2018. That's coming up. You're listening to Fizz Radio on The Score 1260. Back on Fizz Radio on the Score 1260, the voice of the Central New York sports fan, taking you up until the top of the hour, Drew Carter alongside J.D. Rachi, And we know that the Orange is taking on Georgetown today, but that's the present. We'll take a look ahead now at the future. And this SU basketball class of 2018 is one heck of a way to bounce back from what a lot of people saw as a down year in recruiting for 2017 with the freshman currently on the team. You take a look at O'Shea Brissett, not inside the top 100 as the best freshman coming in. Now, he's probably been a little bit better than we expected, but the, the class that came in this year, nowhere near the expectations of the class coming in next season. And the big reason why, Darius Baisley, he is the headliner. He's now inside the top 10 on two different websites. ESPN has had him at nine for a couple of months now, but 24 Seven Sports just released an updated set of rankings, and Darius Baisley shoots up all the way to number 10. J.D., this guy has a ton of potential. Yeah, he's a special kind of player. He's got a 
a great game, and he's going to work so well in the Syracuse system. Power forward, long, lengthy, athletic. He's exactly the kind of player that Jim Beheim wants to come in and play in that 2-3 zone. And we thought he was going to be good. When he, they, when he first committed, after he decommitted from Ohio State, after Thad Model left, and now he then he de, then he committed rather to Syracuse. He was kind of in like the twenty five ish range on mm-hmm. ESPN, and then he just shot up the boards this yep. summer. His AAU summer must have been incredibly good. He's shown a lot a lot of scouts something something special in camps and on the AAU circuit. So if those guys are impressed, I'm impressed because they they look at college or prospective college basketball players every single day. That's what they do for a living. So if Darius Baisley's climbing up, maybe he's even more special than we thought he was. I mean, you watch this guy play, and he's just so smooth. I think that's the best word to describe him is smooth and silky. I think a comparison that might be a little bit ambitious, but it fits the mold for his playing style, is Tracy McGrady. Guy seems like he's never going at full speed, but he still piles up points and piles up rebounds. And, J.D., I think the interesting thing here is we've already seen Mark Dolajai play a little bit of center, kind of out of necessity, but I think it's also worked for, for SU basketball when you put Mark Dolajai at that five spot. Darius Baisley's only one inch shorter than Mark Dolajai. Baisley is 6'8", Dolajai is 6'9", and Baisley has probably 20 or 30 pounds on him at least, and he's still in high school. If Dolajai can play the five, I think Baisley might be able to as well. Yeah, I think that the, the kind of the five we've seen it in the NBA has been revolutionized by the stretch five and kind of the Carl Anthony Towns and the Joel Embiid's of the world. And why not bring that to Syracuse? You know, typically you'd want a rim protector and at the five the five position right to anchor that two three zone. But if you can't get that, or maybe even better, put somebody super athletic there, somebody that maybe won't block as many shots, but is athletic enough to contest shots. Because yeah, seeing a ball go into the seventeenth row after Pascal Chukwu just spikes it away, mm-hmm. it's fun. That's great. But number one, not only does the other team get the ball back when he does that, but you know. Contesting a shot is just the same, and maybe you can come away with the ball if it's contested. So putting an athletic kind of guy like Baisley, like Dolajai, who I think is an underrated athlete, that's one thing that we should touch on is Mm -hmm. Mark Dolajai is an underrated athlete. Quick hands. Putting 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 that athleticism in the middle of the 2-3 zone is certainly something that could work for Syracuse moving forward. Yeah, and I, I like the point you bring up there. Sometimes a steal is better than a block. And when you think of a rim protector, you're always going to think about blocks. I mean, that's the stat you always look at. And Pascal Chuku can certainly rack him up. He's seven foot two. He better be able to rack up a ton of blocks. But thing that is equally as not fun as it is to watch Pascal Chuku send a shot into the 17th throw is fun is watching him try to run. It looks like the guy has knives in his knees. And it's it's not good when you have a guy that tall because it's almost impossible for him to sustain a high level of play. And then you got a guy like Barama Sidibe, who's certainly going to be with Syracuse next year. Not as tall, six foot ten, but also can barely move. Well, you see that with a lot of big guys. There's just so much weight on the top of them that it's just wearing away at their knees. And Brahma Sidibe is a great leaper, a great jumper. He's incredibly athletic, but those tendonitis issues in his knees could really be something that hampers the rest of his career. Takes away a lot of what makes him a special basketball player. Mm-hmm. And if Darius Basley can come in, and he's better than Brahma Sidibe, let's yes, just say is. that right now. He's just yes, a better he basketball player. But if he can fill the Barama Sidibe void plus some, that's something special that Syracuse needs in terms of depth 
in the next couple of years. Right, and the important part is being versatile as a team, being able to defend multiple different styles of offense. If you are going up against a team that has two seven-footers and plays a twin-tower type of style, then you play Pascal Chuk or you play Barama Sidibe at the center spot. If you're going up against a quick team, like maybe a Colgate who just wants to shoot threes and does not want to even try the inside, then you can go with a guy like Dolajai or Baisley at the five position. But let's move out to the perimeter now. We'll talk about Jalen Carey, the other high-profile recruit in this class of 2018, aside from Buddy Beheim, the coach's son. Uh, <laughs> Jalen Carey is a top 40 player at ESPN. ESPN's rankings. Right now, he's number 34 in the class of 2018. He's a point guard out of New Jersey. But you take a look at what's going on over at 24-7. Their composite rankings, which is kind of uh, a group of a bunch of different websites. It's all an put, aggregate e- Exactly. That's the, that's the word I was looking for, aggregate. Um, he's still at 56, according to 24-7 Sports. But in the site's own rankings, he's all the way down to 86. And I think that's mostly a result of this foot injury that he's dealing with right now. But we don't know how serious that is. Yeah, he's got a couple of MRIs. He's gotten some X-rays. His high school coaches expressed some concern about it. He suffered. He got. He got the injury in the, during the summer, probably during his AAU circuit. Uh, but you know, he hasn't played a high school game yet this season. Uh, he's just, or he just played his first one, I should say, last night. But you know, he the injury could be something. It could not be something. His coaches said, you know, right now he's not at a hundred percent. He's not exactly where he needs to be, but as the season go, starts going, we need to, we need him to tough it out. So it's probably something that he can play with, but certainly something to keep your eye on. Right, and plenty of time for that foot to get healthy before he gets to Syracuse and starts playing with the Orange. This guy in the class of 2018, a hard commit to Syracuse. He and Darius Baisley should bring a lot of fun times to Orange fans over the next few years. Carey and Baisley, the two guys in the class of 2018 for Syracuse basketball, we're all looking at. We've got plenty more to come on Fizz Radio. Fizz Feedback is coming up next. Your voices get heard on the air on the score 1260, coming up in just a moment. Coming down the home stretch on Fizz Radio on the score 1260, we've got you until the top of the hour, Drew Carter alongside J.D. Rachi. And now it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show. It's time for Fizz Feedback. Very excited to hear what, what our fans have to say. I can see it on your face. You're just stoked. Listen, I'm smiling wide right biggest, now. Biggest smile I've ever seen on the face of JD. Let's get right into it. First shout-out we got to give to a fan is Red. That's Love it. Red. His name is just Red when he comments on orangefizz.net. But let me tell you something. Red is prolific. Here's what I'd like to say. I have a theory. Is Late it on. Red Autry? Is Red <laughs> Autry a huge fan of us secretly? That's a conspiracy theory right there. It is one. We'll get Snopes on that one. But uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if it's Red Autry, but his name is just Red. He could be undercover. By the way, if you're going to go with a color and you're going to talk about Syracuse sports, you're going to go with red? Yeah. I, I mean, don't, I don't know about that. You should probably go with green or something like yeah, that, right? Yeah, definitely just, <laughs> definitely just not red. But Red says, he commented on our post by the good man Jonathan Hoppy about the Georgetown campus 10 Things They Hate About Syracuse, which, by the way, was one of the worst lists we've ever seen. It was very bad. If you want to take a look, it's on orangefizz.net. Jonathan wrote the story and Red commented, One of the things on the top 10 was oranges don't grow in central New York. Red goes ahead and comments, Oh, BTW, oranges do grow in CNY. My aunt in Camillus and our old house in Monticello still have fruitful orange trees! Exclamation mark. He was very excited. I'd like to point out that the most important part about this is not that oranges grow in central New York, but that they're fruitful trees. They are very robust. They provide a lot of fruit for Red and his family. I'm very happy for that because, like we said, Red is one of our biggest fans. Especially in this type of climate. I mean, the weather here is just 
very conducive to growing oranges. I yeah, guess. I mean, it's it's warm, humid, lots of moisture. I mean, just great, great stuff. What is your favorite orange-flavored food? Oh, I either – it's close. There's Stewart's Orange Cream Soda is one of my favorites. There used to be this restaurant I used to go to when I was little. Is this a New England thing? Uh, maybe. I don't know. Maybe you've never heard <laughs> never of it heard before. Of Stewie's. Only only comes in only comes in six packs in the store. Nice. But there was this restaurant I went to when I was little that that's the only place I'd ever seen it sell it as a restaurant. So I would always get that. I also love orange dream bars. So like mm-hmm. that orange cream combination, the orange plus the vanilla. That's the sweet spot. You ever have a slush? Is that what they call it? Or like ice? A, like a slushy? No. Um, you get it at Richardson's. That thing that's I like have half. No ice cream, idea what Richardson slush. is. Maybe you're not actually from Massachusetts. <laughs> Man, man, man. And if you get a six-pack, you got to crack it with the boys, too, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. My favorite orange thing is the push pop. The old Flintstones push pop. Oh, classic. That was part orange, part lemon. I really like that. Well, Red, we'll see if Red can get us some... uh, some fresh oranges that he is growing in Camillus. Or maybe maybe he she is growing in Camillus. We never yeah, know. Yeah, we don't know Red. if Fred is, is, is male or female or really anything. We, we have we, no idea. We're just not really sure. So shout out Red for continuing to comment. And by the way, Red's last comment was one that we might have ruined he or she for because Red, we'll just say Red, they said that uh, there's no difference between Duke and Syracuse bringing in a lot of young players. Red on that one was not... Correct. You see, the difference there is the fact that Barama Sidibe, while a pretty talented basketball player, can barely move. Yeah. Meanwhile, Duke Marvin has Marvin move. Bagley the third. He, he can, can move, move and he yeah. can play some pretty good basketball. Exactly. So Red one for two lately with the comments on Orange. But, I, but still, just the, the, the number one fan. You gotta respect. You gotta respect the dedication. Speaking of dedication to Orange Fizz, we gotta give out a thank you to Lakeem Williams. We talked about him earlier on in the show. He's a junior college linebacker from Butte Community College in California who just committed to Syracuse this week, and we tweeted about him, naturally, because we're your number one source for recruiting news, and he said, yes, sir, thank you, and then tossed us the follow, too. Big stuff from Lakeem. I'm already, he hasn't even gotten on this campus. I've only watched a couple of his highlights, a little bit of his, a little bit of his film, and I already like him a lot. I like him because he's a Heisman Trophy candidate. That's right. His profile picture on Twitter is him wearing a Syracuse uniform, wearing number four. So, like I said, maybe he's Zaire Franklin. Could be. Could be. But he's also holding the Heisman Trophy. Really not sure where he got that from. (laughs) Maybe he broke in. There are some theories of where he might have gotten it from. However, because he's a linebacker, Going to be pretty difficult for Lakeem to win the Heisman Trophy. Yeah, I'd say the odds on Lakeem Williams coming home with a hardware maybe a billion to one. Maybe he just knows Baker Mayfield. Maybe, maybe they're good friends. Maybe they are. Lakeem Williams and Baker Mayfield, a match just made in best heaven. buddies. Match made in heaven. It would make so much sense. But thank you to Lakeem Williams. I'm sure he's listening right now because he's a big fizz yeah, guy. Yeah, absolutely. Big fizz guy. And if any other players are listening, give us a follow on Twitter. We'd love to talk to you. Yeah. And we'll we give you a shout out on Fizz from the feedback, new, too. The newest orange. And the last Fizz feedback we have is a poll we just tweeted out. Fizz feedback, who is the second best player on the Syracuse men's basketball team? And i got to be honest, J.D., I'm stunned by these results. The two options were Frank Howard and O'Shea Brissett, and then a third option was Other. Only one vote so far for Other, but O'Shea Brissett right now is dominating. He's got 87% of the vote compared to Frank Howard, who has 9%. I mean, I would agree. I think O'Shea Brissett is definitely the second-best player talent-wise on this team. I mean, Frank Howard is a little bit more comfortable with the system. He's put up some better numbers at times. 
But O'Shea Brissett, as long as something drastic doesn't happen, he doesn't head to the NBA after this season, which I don't want to start that kind of that rumor. There but many ideas. But he is going to be a huge piece moving forward for Syracuse. He's much better than his his recruiting rankings mm-hmm. were, and that's partly because he comes from Canada, didn't exactly. get as much exposure as some other guys. Anti-Canada bias, for sure. Aside from the fact that R.J. Barrett is from the same city as O'Shea Brissett, well, and he's now he's the number good. one recruit. That's how you know he's pretty good. Pretty <laughs> good. Same with Andrew Wiggins. But, yeah, O'Shea Brissett has been really a revelation so far this season for Syracuse basketball. And his next test is coming up in just a matter of moments against Georgetown, SU, and the Hoyas. J.D., still a bit of a rivalry. Yeah, we've determined there's still something there from the Big East days. Especially when Patrick Ewing is playing. Yeah, I mean, he was probably the guy that Syracuse hated the most out of anybody back in those days because he was just more talented than anybody else on the court. <laughs> he was he was pretty good back in the day, but at the moment, I don't know how good he would be. He let himself go a little bit. Eh, we'll give him, we'll give him a break. <laughs> he's one of the best basketball players to probably ever do it. Yeah, well, we will give him a break. So far, he's been pretty good as a coach. He's got Georgetown at 8-0, taking on 8-1 Syracuse down in the nation's capital. That'll do it for us on Fizz Radio. For J.D. Rachi, I'm Drew Carter. Thanks so much for listening right here on the Score 1260, the voice of the Central New York sports fan. We're back next week, same time on Saturday morning.